Hey, what's up? My name is Parker Heath. I'm creative artist and designer of Parker Made, and you're watching A Student's Perspective. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to A Student's Perspective, the weekly series that connects students with designers, manufacturers, educators, industry professionals, and design media celebrities to hear their stories on just how they've gotten to where they are now. Through our conversations, we connect the past, present, and future of design to show just how much we can learn from each other to grow towards our fullest potential without prescribed limitations. Think of a student's perspective as a weekly design lecture series from the student's point of view. A student's perspective is a division of the nonprofit University Hall of Innovation, whose goals are to connect students with the design industry through design challenges and mentorship and a collaboration with the Marywood University Interior Architecture Program in Scranton, Pennsylvania. All interviews can be found in their video format at www.astudentsperspective.tv. For more information or sponsorship inquiries, please contact University Hall of Innovation at gmail.com. Welcome back to another episode of A Student's Perspective. My name is Paige. My name is Steven. And today we're speaking with Parker Heath, owner of Parker Made. Um, would you like to first just introduce yourself? But before we get into the introduction of the brand and kind of where you've started, we want to talk about your education. So this is for the students and we want to hear kind of where you began and maybe how this is going to fold into the other outlets that we're yeah. talking about today. Uh, so my name is Parker Heath. Um, I'm creative artist and designer of Parker Made based in San Diego. I'm born and raised in San Diego, California. Um, I got my art education at a local community college, Miramar College in San Diego County. And then I quickly transferred over to San Diego State University where I received my Bachelor of Fine Arts in Studio Arts. Okay, so we talked to you a bunch yesterday and it's gonna be tough to reiterate the entire conversation that we had, but we're gonna do our best to start from there. So, talking a little bit more about your education, what inspired you to either start that, or what are those kind of outlets that you did within it that you gravitated towards that started this launch? Yeah, so I think everything kind of trickles back to uh, my upbringing and my life as a BMX rider. Um, I've been riding freestyle BMX since I was eight years old, um, and riding BMX and growing up in kind of a freestyle atmosphere um, always kind of lent me to being really creative and expressing my creative capabilities in different media. So then I kind of bled into doing a lot more photography. I studied photography in high school. Um, and then when I was graduating uh, from high school, I wanted to just kind of focus more on the fine art side of things. So I started experimenting with painting and studying art history. And I wanted to pursue a college degree in the arts. So photography led to painting, drawing, ceramics, jewelry making, kind of just a whole slew of things. Now, so yeah, so that, um, that transition from, from kind of media to media, it's like not a lot of students make that transition because it's sort of you you hone in on one thing early and that's what you do and that's just kind of what you're known for. Um, how, how was that transition kind of throughout and the ability to kind of have them play back in on each other? Did you get, a, did you get any pushback from, from faculty along the way and things like that or were you supported along the way? Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, I definitely was supported along the way. Um, I definitely like was just, I wanted to try a little bit of everything. And I felt like early on there was a connection between each media practice that there was a, a similarity between the two of just expressing yourself and pouring out your creative skills just with different techniques 
and they all kind of worked back to back with one another. Um, and I really just wanted to embrace uh, that process and just kind of being able to do everything. I never like to close myself off, even in my bike riding. I like to ride all sorts of type of terrain and ramps and everything like that. So it was very relative to pursuing a career in the creative arts that I just wanted to do all sorts of media. Um, and I felt like towards the end of my college career, it was a little challenging because the way universities are set up um, is that you kind of have to focus, you have to major in kind of one thing. Um, so it became a little challenging of learning how to balance everything and kind of narrow to the tip of the spear of what I really wanted to hone in on. Um, but I mean, you're never closed off. You always get to kind of do whatever you want, like at the end of it. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't even know necessarily what you're honing in on yet. Like I think that's all the, the beauty of coming to market and the beauty yeah. of your whole venture so far is you're still figuring that out yeah. because you're interested in several outlets. And that's what we've been telling the students and that's what we've been talking to more and more people higher up in high point market and how they're interested in all these different variations of what interior design offers what the furnishing industry offers and yeah. how it's all relative yeah i think being surrounded by a community of creatives that are doing all sorts of different things whether you're a painter you're a furniture maker you're a jewelry maker you do all you're in production and you are on like more the business side of things like you kind of just pick apart and gain inspiration from everyone in, in some way shape or form and you don't have to be just one set way. Even, let's say you pick one style of thing, one style of furniture making or painting. Within that realm of things, you don't have to just make things a certain way and make them all look exactly the same. Like You can find flow and you can find a synchrony of all your work by dabbling in different styles. And you know that's the beauty of like kind of narrowing things down to like figuring out what you like most. Yeah, that's one of those things that's tough in, in school. So as, as a faculty, I know a lot of times we're driven to uh, to encourage that narrowing of focus. And so trying to find, especially the um, going from a studio art end of things to a more utilitarian kind of uh, output where it's there's always that, that division between fine arts and applied arts, so it's like painting to ceramics to, to anything that has a usable kind of quality to it. Um, but I think probably what, what that's done for you because you've been able to experience, experience all of those things is that you're able to kind of find those um, where they can overlap in, in, a, in a way that still allows you to have your, your personal vision and your way of approaching it, but kind of being able to tailor maybe some of those um, uh, maybe personal pieces to the ideas that you've experienced with those commercial kind of uh, things and then doing it the opposite way where it's getting the, the commercial end of, of product and, and things that uh, maybe can connect with someone in a more kind of visceral way um, than what they would see on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's interesting, um, we keep saying like how you're building this sort of style, like I guess sort of your brand and how you've gathered it over your time through your education. I think this is really crucial as a melding moment for people between the ages of 18 to 22 who have no absolute clue what their style looks like. Yeah. And maybe we don't either. We talk to people within the age ranges far beyond that still haven't quite narrowed that down. They have an identity, they have a brand, but they're still working through their own style. And you talking about an application of different textiles and pieces, you see at the end of the day, it could take years, months, um, they know that's Parker because yeah. you kind of see your vision in it, even though that wasn't the full intention. So yeah. pulling together some of those pieces. What was it like attempting to find a voice, I think, during your education? Um, you know, it was really 
it was really an interesting journey and it continues to be like you said I'm you kind of you'll start to like spin around and you'll start to see like things are flying off you and it's hitting hitting a wall in different areas and you're just trying to see like where you land but I think it's really good like you said to encourage students to like not just feel like they need to focus on one thing and get really really in deep with that like you can try a bunch of different things and they're all going to relate back to the same thing you're trying to achieve in some way shape or form so I, I kind of took a less traditional approach um, like I said I grew up riding BMX bikes I think I've, a lot of my artistic styles I've been a fan of always embrace this anti-authoritarian spirit um, and I kind of just wanted to get out there and just try it on my own and just figure it out even though I had no clue what I was doing and uh, by doing so, I was translating my work into different presentable objects, whether it was textile design or selling my original pieces and working in different media, whether it's ceramic or painting. Um, I think the the spirit and like the energy you hold as a creative and as an artist is still going to show, like in it doesn't matter what object or what product it's in. So you, I think it's important to really take that leap and just try to like present your work in different ways. It doesn't have to be just one thing. You can try it in all sorts of ways. And I think you're you're always always going to be like developing your style. You're never you, you're gonna get really excited and be like, okay, this is my style. This is what I do. And this is this is gonna be it. And then you're gonna do a bunch of it. And you're gonna get it out of your system. And then you're gonna be inspired by something else. And you're gonna tweak and that that thing you're in is gonna grow into something else. And then you're gonna look back at like all your work and you're gonna be like, wow, it's like changed so much. But that is just I think totally natural and you're never going to have full control over it. I think just embracing that is really important to remember. Yeah, right. You just developed a new painting technique the other week. Right, yeah. I, I think even after however many years I've been working, it's, it's being able to to acknowledge uh, where that growth comes from and being able to kind of pull things. And, and, and I think it's finding finding how you can combine those multiple kind of disciplines and multiple ideas and, and being open to things. I think a lot of times uh, artists, at, at least in my generation, were, um, and sorry for being back in my day, but, um, would, yeah, hone in on that one thing and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to be known for. And this is what but I think what I've seen teaching for as long as I have is that students can be multiple things and, and kind of uh, are able to kind of ebb and flow. Wear and many hats. Yeah, wear many hats. And it's being encouraged, I think, a lot more um, than, than maybe it has been in the past. And I think it's, it's a really beautiful thing. Um, are you finding that, like, within all of your different media, are they are they crossing over? Is one kind of influencing another? Are you bringing in maybe certain techniques or certain ideas about whether it's composition that applies in a photo versus a piece of ceramic or something like that? Like, yeah. How how do they they blend together? Do you start start in one media and be like, oh wait, no, this would be better in a woven piece? Well, yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely, and especially coming here to market and being so inspired by like all the things that I'm seeing, I really have kind of like had this like epiphany moment of like seeing how it's all relating together. So I think I'm like, for example, I'm, I'm learning that there's a lot of this, uh, this narrative of tactility in my work, whether it's through the actual physical media that exists in space, that it's actually like a, a tactile, te uh, tactile textured um, like media, or even in a two-dimensional space, seeing that like how the, the interaction between shape, line, form, all of those things in a certain space still refer back to this idea of touch and uh, the role that it plays, you know, in human life and these ideas of conformity and things like that. You just, I think I just, I learned this by just 
implementing it in different things. Like I was doing the same thing in ceramics, which is a very tactile uh, media on its own, and then translating my original paintings into these textiles that served a function, and people were so excited to interact with my art because it was so touchable now. And then coming full circle and doing paintings that implement, you know, mixing uh, coffee grounds or dirt or something like that into my paint to evoke more texture. So it's like each one like kind of bounced around one another. You know, it's crazy to see the narrative of like, when I was in college, I was so obsessed with uh, functional work with ceramics because I liked that idea of like people actually touching it, taking it off the pedestal, ergonomic or taking nature. ergonomic nature and just interaction with human humanness. And then from there, I bled into doing the, the textiles and stuff. I'm like, okay, here's another thing that it's like, that same idea in ceramics is bleeding over into fiber arts. And then now I'm coming back to doing uh, painting design, traditional like wall art, and I'm seeing like, okay, learning from what I did over here is now influencing this. And it's just, it's so crazy. And I, I think it's really important to like, if I didn't have that leap of faith to just try other media and try everything and be like, no, it's okay that I'm doing things differently, that like I would have never, or would have taken me a lot longer to figure out like getting closer to the tip of the spear of like, what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Okay, so people don't have the luckiness that we did of seeing you with your bag on your shoulder. Okay. Um, just in order to gravitate towards your brand and where it started. And you started about like that first outlet in which you started to create and meld some of this art into something tactile. Yeah, so this is exactly how I got my start. Um, so I was uh, approaching my final semester of uh, college at the university, getting my studio arts degree. Um, and the pandemic happened and I was like, wow, like this is a really weird time right now. I want to be in school doing things in the studio and like actually working on things. And I was doing things remote. It was a challenging time for all of us. Um, so I decided to take a, a semester off because I was also like, well, times are weird right now. And then, you know, I don't really know like what I'm doing. I was looking at my curriculum. I didn't really have any like sort of idea of how I was going to implement this in life after college. So during that time off, I started just putting my work out there through Instagram and social media outlets and online marketplaces. And I started getting some good verbal response and just seeing people look at my work. And then from there, I was just having fun thinking of how I could present my work in different, less traditional ways. So I started designing these woven throw blankets. And uh, I would do a painting and then I would outsource to someone who would weave the blanket for me and then see that there was a difference in the, the, the final output of the imagery on the woven textile. And when I started showcasing that to people, they really loved it. And they really loved being able to touch my painting and feel it and wrap it and have an actual use and function for it. And at the same time, I was doing these ceramic classes making functional pieces. So I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. So then I just kind of ran with it and I started designing more blankets and uh, started selling at like local farmers markets to like really get them out there and to show my work to people. And I bled into doing tote bags and socks and pillows and more fun merchandise that just made it more applicable and more accessible to people. And I really learned a lot about psychology through that and interacting with not just a business entrepreneurship side of things, but also how my art and the creative field can easily play a role with that even if I didn't get proper uh, you know, education from that at school. So that's kind of my backstory of how I was able to get myself out there. Yeah. So finding that, that partner, so the, the weaver. How how did that happen? So your students, they they think that okay, I I have to do everything or I can't do certain things because I don't have those kind of connections or whatnot. It's like so so walk us through that um, concept of yeah, completion. Yeah, how that how that came together, um, what that 
what that process is really like because they're also not in a location that's, that's super accessible to you in, in San Diego. Yeah. So just yeah, talk, talk to us about how that works. So believe it or not, it's really not as, and this is what is going to be great for students to understand too. Like I didn't know really what I was doing at the time. I was just having fun with it. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any connections about understanding weaving or this whole trade industry or anything like that. I literally just Googled around how to make, you know, there's print on demand services and there's weave on demand services out there. And I just was thinking of clever ways of to do it. And you have to remember that, that just because, like I said, I, I wasn't using a very special like weaver. It was an on demand service, but the artwork that I designed for that service was what made people so drawn to it. So knowing that it's like, you know, you can have a little bit of, of something and as long as you just really capitalize and get clever around how you're going to market it and sell it to people, you can really run with it. Um, so I think just using your resources, you're at, a, you're at a university too and you have plenty of peers around you that, you know, you could just ask questions and just come up with ideas of how to find things, but I really just use the internet to find the <laughs> yeah. <my> Weaver. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that crashes over into a certain level of exposure. Um, social media and I think like coming from someone who's younger on the show, you're probably our youngest we've ever had just on the about, show, I think, which is really nice, but we come from it from a different territory where people look at marketing and kind of self-led and self-proposing yourself into the industry that way. So how has that changed the way that you also interact at farmer's markets and things like that where it's a tangible interaction? Yeah. So I started, I think, with this direct-to-consumer like area and space, and I think social media played a huge role in that. Um, because I would just get out there. It was an easy. It was just so easy for me to understand. Like I knew social media. I knew how to use Instagram. I didn't really know how to like build a portfolio online, build a website, or any of these things. But as a photographer too, like that bleeds into that. Oh too. yeah, absolutely too. And I had a little bit of background with you know with BMX, and I do some modeling stuff too. And I post that on my personal Instagram, and I see just like the power of social media and how quick things can grow and how much exposure you can get. Um, I think as like a younger person too, like. We just have that at our fingertips. So I was like, okay, this is like a really good tool that I know is really important. And to this day, even though I don't have crazy amounts of followers or anything like that, um, I still a get a little bit. I'm very <laughs> grateful for the followers out there, so thank you. But I, it's it, it's so amazing how people can just find you at just the it just so quickly. It's like everyone is on social media every single day. So you just got to kind of believe in that tool and just kind of utilize it as much as you can so yeah we're in an amazing time right now and again I'll date myself but um, finding coming out of school finding galleries finding representation finding these these things used to be you would either have to just take a take a leap or you'd have to wait a month for a magazine to come out and start looking through it and seeing okay who's doing what and and, and those types of things now there's online exhibitions there's uh, um, every every Instagram kind of uh, gallery page has kind of their contact information and there's things that you can connect with on a daily basis that, that we never had and, yeah. and I think it's, it's absolutely amazing and I love to, to talk to my students and, and kind of open them up to that and it's not only that but what you were saying about the university setting it's all of you that no matter what degree you're doing it's there are so many opportunities and it's like okay the next room over the next building over is going to be like a treasure trove of stuff that you're not going to be introduced to. So it's like you have you, you select your degree, and it's like this, this is your set of classes. Yeah. And it's like unless you're willing to kind of veer past it or to flip your page over or if you yeah. have a great advisor or something like that that kind of helps to steer you around yeah. to say, oh, yeah, you should take this 
photography class, you take the ceramics yeah. class, or we've got a great fibers room, or we've got all these things. Yeah. It's you're not you're not necessarily going to have that yeah. opportunity. Um, and so, what we are trying to do with with this and with the design challenges and things is to uh, is to put some of the ownership of your education into the student's hands. Yeah. To where you say, okay, as a student, what do you want? What 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 do you want to set you apart from the the three people that are sitting next to you? And and how are you going to uh, kind of position yourself for the present, for the future, and those types of things? And um, I think yeah, just hearing this, it's like you've taken advantage of a lot of opportunities. I think yeah. that's great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, to, uh, that concept of like taking ownership as a student. I think it's it's hard to like really recognize that because this time of your life you're going through an incredible maturity standpoint. It's just human development too, and there's a lot of other outside factors that may be distracting and things like that. That it's harder to take ownership. But once I the, almost immediately after I was outside of college and I was on my own and I was developing this small business with my art, it was like the level of ownership I had to take and responsibility was through the roof and I was like wow I, I didn't I wasn't this way I was a lot more complacent when I was in the university setting because you kind of just want to go through the motions and you know and this is my experience not everyone is like this but um, it's it's definitely a different a different thing and I think taking ownership is uh, really important on how you can maximize your, your benefits around you and like you said that you might get a sheet of classes that say okay this is what you need to take to get your degree but you're going to have to break outside of that a little bit to really understand how you're going to make it successful and a part of uh, what you're doing. So. Okay, so we've already had the conversation several times, like I think over the past day or two, um, continuing education. Mm -hmm. It's not something, I mean, we talk about it in schooling, but we don't talk about it, I think, for the right reasons. Going back to school, it's taking advantage of all those responsibilities that you kind of claim fame to, but the facilities as well. We talked about how lucky we are to be in some of these universities where you have the ability to work hands-on constantly. And maybe we don't devote all of our time to that because there's so many outside endeavors. Yeah. Can you talk about the importance of that to students Yeah. In um, making I, use of these facilities? Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, when I left the university setting and I was on my own, and I was finally having to take ownership and responsibility of like what I wanted to do. I looked back and I was like, wow, there's so many things like I don't know how to achieve or how to accomplish, like little nitty gritty kind of small things that you would think wouldn't really matter, but it's like, okay, that's gonna be a, a roadblock in front of just getting to this. And a lot of the time you're just like, I don't know where to even begin to find the resource to know how to do this, how to achieve that. And it made me think back, I'm like, wow, that's what the university was really for. Like, and I know it's hard because when you're, at this time you don't really know you haven't really quite taken that ownership just yet. You don't know what you would need. You're not gonna know until you need it. Um, but just remember that like, try to just be a sponge in any way you can, even if you think like, oh, I would never be interested in this or like knowing how to do this. Like even if it's outside of the arts and creative field, like you're gonna need to learn how to do it, I can bet, at some point. <laughs> yeah, so those resources aren't always physical. Sometimes they are your mentors that yeah. you're constantly surrounded with. And yeah, the yeah. ideations you can learn. But, okay, so faculty turn off for one second students pay attention um, we we work for you and you have to remember that yeah it's like it's, it's it's the, it's the weird like power kind of yeah. dynamics and whatnot but it's it's as faculty we are there to support you and we are there to to get you to that next next place where yeah. you have to. we have a bunch of hoops that we have to jump through but ultimately it's like we have to look at it as you are our product 
it's like your success helps to to kind of justify what we do in those things. So it's it's a um, it's a partnership. Yeah. And and not everybody believes that or not everybody kind of treats it that way. Um, but I think just yeah, you have to you have to remember that. I have I have a son who's finishing up high school soon and he's gonna be entering into that realm and it's like I hope that I can instill that into him and, and kind of push him forward in that way. But it's um yeah, students have a lot more power than they than they realize yeah. and faculty need to understand that they need to listen yeah. and they need to, to play their part in it too. Yeah. I really wish I had a professor like yeah. Steven over here because I mean not everyone is like that. You have to remember at the end of the day, everyone's experience is completely different and at the end of the day it boils down to human to human interaction. And I learned that from transferring from community college to university. And there's we're we're built on this idea of like this hierarchy of things and this power play, like you said too, and you know that's and that's a part of growing up and stuff too. But once you reach the college level, you be you have some autonomy with yourself of knowing what you want and knowing where you're going. And like he said, like they are there to help work for you in a sense. And it's it's a it's a partnership. I mean everyone has their their boundaries they have to work in together, but you really, really capitalize and, and try to influence the professors that you're working with. It's like, hey, I'm here to like really learn from you, and like I don't just want to like sit down and follow a set of rules. I know, like I respect that you have built this thing to to show what you're you're doing, but like it's okay to to break outside of the rules and the boundaries a little bit because we're just everyone learns a little differently. Do it a little bit more unorthodox. Like I did things like a lot of like really backwards, and now I'm coming back and forth and trying to talk to more of my professors, my mentors that I'm latching onto to like gain any sort of like knowledge. So just just know that like if you take an untraditional approach to things, it's totally okay. Even though there might be rules set in place that make you feel like you have to follow a certain certain direction of things. Yeah, and it's always a pay it back kind of moment. And I've always approached my teaching as anything that I've ever experienced, whether it's coaches, whether it's faculty, whether it's high school or college, whatever, is to take the things that, that really resonated with me and I enjoyed and, and helped me to grow and make sure that I carry those things forward. And then it's leave behind the other stuff or fix the other yeah. stuff that, that I found it. as stumbling blocks or as things that didn't quite work right or whatnot and to really try to push it forward. And I'm, I'm not saying I do it right all the time. I do it right most of the time. Yeah. But it's, it's we're always, we're always trying. Yeah. It's, you always have to keep on progressing and really be really acknowledge just what's happening and, and every time you get a, a, a class of students in front of you you have 20 individuals you, you don't have a single class it's like yeah. okay every everyone is coming from a different place and everyone needs to be yeah playing. and to piggyback off that too and i think what i'm learning now so is like nobody is perfect we know that it's so cliche but i mean your professors aren't perfect either and like they're learning with like every new student like i said everyone is different the way that they learn about things and i think i gained a lot of like frustration and dismiss you know confusion because like I said we're grown up to have this like hierarchy of understanding that like your teachers are the ones who just know it all and it's like you just follow everything that they're saying and stuff but when you get in the college setting it's a little bit more freeform it's like the teachers are learning from you just as much as you're learning from them versus in elementary middle high school it's like you just kind of sit down you listen to the rules and you just kind of grow but like I said you're now at that age where you have some autonomy you do have some some knowledge, some creativity, and you you can take control of some things, and it's work with your professors about how like you like to learn and how you're going to understand things, and 
yeah, it's, just a, it's a relationship. Yeah. Okay, and so at the end of the day, High Point Market is a huge extension of this. We talk about our mentors as our professors, but every industry vendor we're seeing here, and this is Parker's first High Point Market, which I think is exciting in and of itself, and I'd love to hear your experiences through it, but the people you're having conversations with that you never expect to have conversations with, yeah. some of the directors of these showrooms or the owners of these companies, um, they fall too. Yeah. And they learn from us in the same breath, whether it's the reaction we have to their showrooms and the individual reactions that you're getting to furniture pieces throughout it. But that's also a learning curve that's tangible in between. Like it's reliant on one another. It's always codependent. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always trying to ask people stories of like how they reached the goals that they're at now or like the, the level that they're at now. Everyone's path is different and everyone's experience is different. And just like when you're studying art history or whatever design history, you're you're picking apart little things to then build your your painting your picture. You know what I mean? It's like that's it, it, that can be applied to like every relationship you're doing in life and in the grand scheme of your life as a creative. After college, you know you're always always going to be kind of trying to pick apart things a little bit to put it together and how you're going to use it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So first high point market as a. Um, just to kind of take it in, right? So you're not you're not sort of selling it, but you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've done other other markets, you've done other other kind of uh, shows and things like that. How um, how is how has the reception been? How how do you feel that High Point might play a part in that? Like, well, everyone knows who Parker is. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but what, do you think, what do you think the um, the future might might hold? Like what what's what's on the horizon? Uh, like for for me specifically in my yeah. direction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you said, I. I took a different kind of approach. I went to New York Now, which is a bit more of like a, a gift show and more of like a consumer product type approach. And that's how I was originally implementing my artwork and what I was gonna do. Then from there, I took a shift and I visited the Dallas Market Center that had a bit more of like what High Point is that has a heavier design influence in a furniture market. Then from there, I went to the Las Vegas show, which was definitely a lot more designer influenced. And uh, I was just learning more about how I can embrace my creative skills in in this brand that I was building. Now since then I'm here at High Point which is really like the big leagues uh, when it comes to design and furniture building and all sorts of stuff Um, and it's just been really really shaping my perspective on like the trajectory I want to go in and I think being surrounded more with the creative aspect of things I've understood like how I'm going to shift and revamp um, just like I was doing on a small scale with testing out different products if it's like a certain blanket design or a certain mug or a certain pair of socks or something. I was just testing the market to see what is working, what isn't working, what is getting some attention, what really isn't, and what I really like and what I find valuable and true to the integrity of myself as a creative. And I'm starting to like learn more with experience. I feel like he kind of has this um, one-of-a-kind opportunity where you can walk around and be the show person for yourself. Like, you don't need a showroom. You can represent yourself just with the physical things that you're wearing, and that's a really cool aspect of your brand. And I think what you're building through your artistry, while you can continue to absorb everything around you, but what is that like? Did you expect to have the exposure that you were getting? Um, I mean, no. not that it's a huge range of exposure, but the networks and the opportunities that you have is incredible. Yeah, it's it's remarkable uh, what can happen if you just like take that leap of faith of just putting your work out there. You're you would never expect like I never would have expected that people would you know show such a positive response to like the things that like I was just passionate about and had fun doing, and there was the response I continue to get and being able to just like 
showcase like my work because it, it, your work is a part of you and like I turned my my work into certain products that I could maybe like showcase on a day-to-day basis as a way to like make it easier to show people so it's been really cool and I'm just stoked on the response I'm getting yeah. and you said more accessible and functional too yeah I feel like that's something that gravitates towards everything that's here but at the end of the day this is a furnishings market as well so it's so interesting to me to see how it ties in because Every designer we see, they also represent themselves through their brand, through their clothing. It's integral, just as you're speaking to it. And I think some of the product that you bring with you also can just as easily be imagined on the wall in your art pieces. Um, And seeing that translation, I think, is really nice. Thank you. Yeah, you know, that was kind of my intention with things, was um, trying to figure out the relationship and conversation that accessibility and functionality play in, in art and design um, and in the world of professional practice, because at the end of the day, that's uh, at some at some point, you're going to find that is the direction that you want to lead some of your creative practices into, and just remembering how you're going to present it and how people are going to psychologically think of like how it works and plays a role in their life um, is it ties back into all of that. So yeah. Um, so some of what we we mentioned about your transition from product to product, whether it's uh, flat wall art to kind of tangible pieces and like that, um, I think. You've now kind of gotten into the to the realm of, of translating some of those things into more kind of wearable pieces and usable pieces, and we have we have an, an example of that. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I think I just am constantly embracing that I just like to be a creative person and I don't want to box myself in. And I encourage all artists and all creatives in school to remember that. I think that's one of the most valuable things. Is you don't need to box yourself in. Um, so one of the things I've always done is. Uh, like you said, expanding my, my work into different kind of functional tactile pieces because this idea of art and in- interactivity has always played a huge role in my life. So one of the newest products that I've been developing um, is I take my, my original art pieces, I'll have them woven into a jacquard woven throw blanket, and then I'll take the woven throw blanket and I'll have it cut and sewn into a uh, wearable jacket. So I'll put it on here. Um, And this style of jacket is uh, kind of in between a cardigan and a blazer, and we're nicknaming it the Blazigan, so that's fun, but yeah, it's just another great way, and it's just, just like all the products, you start thinking of this idea of conversation and presentation, Um, and this is in the the academic world as well, too, through your your exercises and in all your courses, is how the, the finished piece plays a role in how it's being used, how it's being shown, um, those small considerations, I think, will always, I think, is something very important to always remember in your life after college, because um, it'll lead you down a crazy path like it did for me, um, and, and I think the response is always going to be supportive, um, because people love something that's just different. Yeah. So I think people in school love something that's conceptually based as well, and I know all your work is through the introduction, we barely briefly talked about it, but the introduction of coffee as it relates to texture in some of your pieces. Yeah. I'm really curious, I think many people are, to see the translation from different textiles and materials. So working with this manufacturer for the jacket, for the blanket, like that translates through color um, in order to relate to something else. But a lot of your flat pieces come across as monochrome or mm-hmm. some of it starts to carry into color and style. How did you develop that process and yeah. related to So I think I think the, the difference between my kind of flat work and then some of like the textile stuff is like I said that textile stuff played a heavier role had a heavier influence of kind of the consumer approach and the consumer interpretation and presenting it to a different audience so that lent my design skills to kind of taper and lend towards um, 
a different uh, a different way of how people are going to think and feel about it. Um, my my flat work um, serves is usually presented and is in a different uh, audience and, and sort of has a different conversation. So therefore, the subject matter and the things that I'm creating there have a slightly different influence and presentation, if that makes sense. Um, we were talking about like coffee grounds and things like that. Like I'm a huge coffee snob. Almost everyone in the world drinks coffee. It's one of the second most traded commodities in the world. So but I do think they all drink good coffee. They, I don't think they all drink good coffee. I think you guys need to be drinking better coffee <laughs> and try harder at that. But um, that idea of like blending my fine art background with this consumer huge kind of market influence and thinking of materials that play a vital role in that and I think coffee is something that plays a vital role in my life and so many other people so thinking of unconventional ways to implement that in my work so some of my acrylic paintings that serve as wall pieces I'll, uh, I'll stain the canvas with liquid coffee or I'll take the coffee grounds mix it into the paint to create interesting unique textures that then also play and complement with some of the line work and the forms that I'm creating and kind of uh, create a narrative about this kind of contradiction between the two. Yeah, huge juxtaposition. Like juxtaposition, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. All right, so I think um, I think we've covered a lot of things, um, but we'll we'll finish up with our with our traditional final question, which, being that we are a student's perspective, it's if you could take everything you know now, and, and you're not far from school, but um, take everything you know now and go back and talk to your, we'll say your freshman self, so 17, 18 years old. Um, what What's a piece of advice you might offer to, to yourself of, of kind of moving forward? That's a tough question, but um, I don't know. Back then I was like still so like just curious. I love the adventure side of uh, the spontaneity of just like being open to trying things. And I think I would definitely tell myself to just never let go of that because my journey through the beginning of college towards the end and then life after college, um, you're trying so many different things and that's good to be failing and succeeding at others. But I think a, a byproduct that we, we tend we, we tend to close ourselves off from that and we lose that kind of adventure side of things and the spontaneity. And uh, I think just always remember that like you can, you can be open to things, trying new things. Um, I don't know. I think that's the the best way I can think about like advice yeah, to give myself. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, it, and it's good advice. Uh, it, it is. I know. Um, yeah, students when they first come in, it's. I feel so bad for a 17, 18 year old student to say, okay, what's the major you're going to choose yeah. that is going to be what you're going to focus on for the rest of your life? Yeah, I mean, and I, it's, it's I couldn't just, figure that out when yeah. I was at that age too. Yeah, it's mean, you know. But it, job security for me. But still, um, <laughs> I think. What it, what it does is it starts to get that whole pigeonholing thing that we were yeah. talking about, but um, I think it'll, it, it hopefully will allow people to be able to, to find those other extra things that they can, they can do. And, and I think when we talk a lot about what you, your whole process and your whole kind of outlook on things, it's a very Bauhaus kind of tradition. And, and it's like you think back to where they started and that was about all those blends of craft and art and things that made its way out, but it's I think something that, that more more people and more schools and more things need to need to kind of embrace I think because um, everything just gets so so siloed yeah in, in yeah and that's a design school that encompasses yeah. like multifaceted right. um, directions and that's also what High Point's about I'm sure if you told your 17 18 year old self that you were going to be in this market here yeah showcasing and no. just trying to experience <laughs> the event like it it just doesn't always seem to align but 
that's the exposure we're looking to grow and help yeah. the audience as well. Yeah. All right. Well, Parker, thank you so much for take, uh, taking time to sit down with us. Um, everyone watching, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and follow on all of our social media, all of our platforms, or podcasts, webcast, everything else. Um, and make sure to tune in next week as the conversation continues. From a student's perspective. We hope you liked this discussion with the design industry from a student's perspective. Please like, share, and comment, and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations to come.